0: This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. The night sky for May
1: 2018. Well, to be honest, we don't have that many hours of darkness, so you've either got to stay up pretty late or get up very early. But if you do, there are some nice things to see. Well, as darkness falls, the constellation of Leo is setting towards the western horizon. And perhaps the most prominent star towards the south, a little bit east of south, is Arcturus, the brightest star in the constellation of Bootes. Higher up, in fact, is Ursa Major, with the plough, and asterism, most prominent. Rising over towards the eastern horizon, we have the first of the lovely summer constellations appearing. Vega, the brightest star in the constellation of Lyra, is the first to uh, arise. Slightly further round to the north is Deneb, the brightest star in the constellation of Cygnus. And just above the horizon is in fact the star Altair, in the constellation of Aquarius. As we'll find many times in the next few months, Altair, Vega and Deneb make up what is called the Summer Triangle. It's a lovely part of the sky. So at the moment, it's not a particularly exciting sky. But if you do have a telescope, then the region just to the east of Leo, in Virgo and Coma Berenices, is called the Realm of the Galaxies. And there are many, many of the Messier objects, all galaxies, within that region. It's a lovely place to look at on a really dark, clear, transparent night with a biggish telescope one can see quite a lot well what about the planets well let's start with Jupiter now Jupiter reaches opposition on May the 8th so it'll be visible all night it shines at magnitude minus 2.5 has a disk some 44 arc seconds across so it's equatorial bands sometimes the great but reducing red spot can be seen along with four of the Galilean moons. Sadly, lying in Libra during the month, Jupiter is heading towards the southern part of the ecliptic and will only have an elevation of around 20 degrees when crossing the meridian. So atmospheric dispersion will thus hinder our view when observing it visually, and it might be worth considering the purchase of a zwo atmospheric dispersion corrector, around 107 pounds, to counteract the effects of the atmosphere. Well, Saturn is now well into its new apparition. It rises at around midnight on the 1st of May and a couple of hours earlier by month's end. With an angular size of 17.5 arc seconds, increasing to 18.1 during the month, it climbs higher before dawn, and so it becomes easier to spot as the month progresses. Its brightness increases from plus 0.4 to plus 0.2 during the month. Now the rings were at their widest the latter part of last year, but still at around 25 degrees to the line of sight, are well open and span about two and a half times the size of Saturn's globe. Now Saturn is really down at the bottom end of the ecliptic. It lies in Sagittarius close to the topmost star of the teapot and will be best seen, obviously, just before dawn when it's highest above the horizon. But even then, it will only have an elevation of around 15 degrees. Again, atmospheric dispersion will hinder our view. Now Mercury. Mercury reached greatest elongation east from the Sun on April the 29th, and one might think at the beginning of May it'd be well well seen. The trouble is the ecliptic is at a very low angle to the horizon at this time of the year, so it'll be not very far above the horizon. You'll probably be able to see it for the first week perhaps of May, but for the remainder of the month it'll lie too close to the Sun to be visible. Well, Mars starts the month in Sagittarius and moves into Capricornus in mid-May. It's now a morning object. It rises at about 1.30am BST at the start of the month and a little after midnight by the end of May. Its brightness increases during the month from minus 0.4 to minus 0.2 magnitudes and its angular size increases from 11.1 to 15.1 arc-seconds. So it now will be possible with a small telescope and the night of good seeing, that's when the atmosphere isn't too turbulent, to spot some of the details on the surface, such as Sirtis Major and the polar caps on its salmon pink surface. It will only reach an elevation of some 10 degrees before dawn at the start of the month, only about 13 degrees by month's end. So again, the atmosphere is a problem. Well, finally, Venus. Venus, seen in the west after sunset, I think can't be missed. It shines brightly at magnitude minus 3.9 all month, with an angular size of 11.5, increasing to 13 arc seconds. As it does so, the area of the surface that we see illuminated by the Sun reduces and the two effects compensate, which is why the brightness stays absolutely constant. It rises a little higher as the month progresses, initially setting around two hours after the Sun but increasing to about two and a half hours after the Sun by the end of May. Venus starts the month in Taurus not far above the Hyades cluster but passes into Gemini On the 19th. Finally, what about some highlights? Well, obviously May is a great month to view Jupiter. As I said, it's not going to be very high above the horizon when due south, crossing the meridian. On the Night Sky page, just put in Night Sky Jodrell to find it, I've given a list of the times when the great red spot is crossing its meridian, so it will be visible. And as you probably know, it's getting smaller. At the beginning of the last century, it spanned about 40,000 kilometers across, but now is only about 16 and a half thousand kilometers across, less than half the size. You used to be able to say that three Earths could fit within it, but now it's really only one. The shrinking rate appears to be accelerating and observations indicate it's reducing in size by about 580 miles per year. Will it eventually disappear, I wonder? So, what else? Well, we do have a meteor shower. It's called the Eta Aquarids, and it peaks around May the 5th and 6th. Now, it's one of the finest meteor showers that can be seen from the Southern Hemisphere. But in the Northern Hemisphere... May only be glimpsed in the pre-dawn sky in the southeast about 90 minutes before dawn. Sadly, this year the peak is when the waning gibbous moon is in the sky, so moonlight will certainly hinder our view and only the brightest meteors will be seen. Again on May the 5th before dawn, Saturn, the moon and Mars lie together in the southern sky. So Saturn is to the right of the waning gibbous moon I've just mentioned, with Mars down to its lower left. You might well need binoculars to penetrate the sky's pre-dawn brightness, but please don't use them after the sun has risen. Now, instead of being before dawn, let's go to after sunset on May the 17th. You should easily spot, if clear, Venus, but much harder to spot will be a very thin crescent moon, just two days after new. And you'll probably need binoculars to pick that out. But again, don't use them until this time after the sun has set. I usually give an object to observe with a small telescope or a telescope on the moon, and this month I've included the Hygienus Rill. It's best seen on May the 6th, and twenty-second, when the terminator lies close, virtually all the craters on the Moon were caused by impact. But it's thought that the Hyginus crater, that lies at the centre of the Hyginus rill, may well be volcanic in origin. It's an eleven-kilometre-wide rimless pit. In contrast, to impact craters which have raised rims, and its close association with a rill of the same name associates it with internal lunar events. I suspect the rill is the result of a lava tube, and along it there are quite a number of craters where I think the roof has fallen in. Um, again, on the night sky page, in the lunar section, I've actually included an image that I took in April. It's only two-thirds resolution, but it still shows the Hyginus rill quite well. And you can have a look and see what it looks like um, if you have a look. So, some things to see. It's always nice to observe the moon. When there isn't that much darkness, it does stand out. You can still look at it with a small telescope and just enjoy its vistas, even if it's not particularly dark. So I do hope you get some fun of observing the heavens during the upcoming month. Thanks for that Ian, and for our Antipodean listeners, here's Jasmine Chinehimes and Gabby Perez with The Night Sky,
0: where you are. Kia ora! Perez here from Wellington, New Zealand. It's autumn here in the southern hemisphere and we can tell that from our chilly nights and the fallen leaves, but we can also see it in our skies. We can see the summer months sinking into the western horizon with Orion and his companions, making way for all our winter constellation. Quite a nice time of year to see Orion and Scorpius on either sides of the sky, knowing that they're doomed to chase one another forever. So, of course, May is the last chance to glimpse some of the incredible objects in the treasure chest that is Orion. We have the bluish-white Rigel, a super-hot blue giant star about 40,000 times brighter than our own sun. It is Orion's alpha star, but sometimes it's outshone by Betelgeuse, a red giant variable star, which means that it will vary in its brightness or its magnitude. Betelgeuse is in the final stages of its life. This is when a star goes full supernova. If it does that within our own lifetimes, it'll be bright enough for us to see during the day, which would be pretty cool. Beside them lies Tautoru, or Orion's belt, and we can see the asterism of the pot, the base of the pot being made up of the belt, now the pot is lying in its side at this time. The handle of the pot, the three faintest stars that we call the sword of Orion. and um, the middle pot is M forty two, if you're more familiar with the messier objects or the Great Orion Nebula or the Great Orion Emission Nebula. It is the closest star forming region to us here on Earth, and through a telescope you can make out some of the nebulosity. But of the grey and green coming out of its centre, depicting quite a lot of oxygen within it. You can also see the trapezium, which is a small star cluster. Now the best time to view deep space objects, such as the Orion Nebula, will be towards the middle of the month, as New Moon will be on the 15th of May, and um, on the 29th we will round off the month with the full moon. May is a great month for some planet viewing. At the top of the month we have Jupiter in the east in the constellation of Libra, And it will be in our skies, invisible all night long, outshining the bright Sirius. Sirius being the brightest true star in our sky. This binary star is pretty big, despite only um, its secondary component only being a white dwarf. And it's relatively close to us, only about, I think, 8.5 light years away. On the 9th of May, Jupiter will be in opposition, which means that it would be um, at its brightest, as its face will be fully illuminated by the sun and it will be at its closest approach to the Earth. Um, In the middle of May, we will also have Silver Venus, setting 90 minutes after the Sun in the northwest, and once again, Venus will become our evening star. You can see some fainter planets as well, but not too faint. We have Saturn and Mars, and they will be in our sky um, in the constellation of Sagittarius. So rising in the east, just before Sagittarius, is of course Scorpius. Here in New Zealand, we call it the Fishhook of Maui. Maui, the warrior who fished up our North Island from the ocean with this hook, and um, he also lassoed our sun, so he dabbled in astronomy as well. Now, um, making the body of the scorpion, or maybe the bait on the Fishhook of Maui, is Antares. Antares is another red supergiant creeping towards its stellar doom because it's cobbled up all of its hydrogen. Now, um, uh, that is a great start to spot entirely. It sometimes means the anti-Mars or the rival of Mars. It's a good thing that these two objects will be in the same sky, but um, quite far away from each other at this point. Um, A fantastic sight in the constellation of Scorpius is the Bug or Butterfly Nebula. This is a bipolar planetary nebula, and it has one of the most complex structures that uh, we have ever seen. Um, it has a star in its center, another star that's coming to its final stages, but this one is burning at some of the hottest temperatures recorded in a star in our entire galaxy, which is quite cool. Now between Scorpius and Sagittarius is a zone designated Sagittarius A, and it is our galactic center, the middle point of our Milky Way, or the bulge of the Milky Way making up of some of the brightest and star-rich regions in our night sky. So we've noted some intense radio feedback from the zone, as many astronomers believe that in the centre of our galaxy, and in fact the centre of every galaxy, is a supermassive black hole holding it together. So take a look at that. Obviously you wouldn't be able to pick up any of the feedback from the black hole, but it's still a spectacular sight to see in the night sky. And on a clear night, you can follow the Milky Way up to the Crux constellation, or the Southern Crust, as it's better known. Um, it is the smallest constellation, but arguably the most well-known in the south, and it's um, on a lot of our flags as well. Uh, we can use the pointer stars, the reddish-orange Alpha Centauri, and the blue-white Beta Centauri to make sure that we have the right cross shape in the night sky. Now uh, we can use uh the star in the crux constellation uh beta Cruxis, to help us find the jewel box cluster which is a very beautiful cluster of stars that we can see um we also have in this region of the night sky if we're still following up on the milky way the southern poleis another great cluster to look at these clusters um having uh we can pick out some of the colors in the cluster depicting stars the different Uh, stages of their lives um, in different sizes, which um, makes for some great telescope observations. Now, for a little bit of a challenge, and if you want to look at another dying star, which seems to be a bit of a theme for this month, you can look towards the constellation of Carina. Now, Carina lies just next to the Crux constellation, its brightest star being Canopus, which is also the second brightest star in our night sky. Carina used to be a part of a bigger constellation known as the Argo Navies, but it's now been divided into three, making Carina nice and circumpolar here for us in New Zealand. And if you look carefully, you can locate eta Carinae. Now, the star is not visible to the naked eye. It was about 200 years ago when it went through an event known as an imposter supernova. So uh, it kind of exploded as it would with a supernova and ejecting a bunch of gas and dust everywhere, and coming up very bright, outshining canopus at this time, That it disappeared. Now this hardy star is expected to maybe go through another event, such as an imposter supernova, or maybe finally go full supernova. So another star that we look out for that's creeping towards the end of its life. Now if you're up late enough, at about midnight on the 6th until the early hours on the 7th of May, you can catch the peak of the Ada Aquiodes. Now, this is a spectacular annual meteor shower and is capable of producing up to 60 meteors per hour. So the meteors will obviously radiate from Aquarius, but we can see it across a lot of the night sky. And, um, we have a much better view of it here in the southern hemisphere. Um, as in the northern hemisphere, I believe they can only see about 30 meteors per hour, but still an above average meteor shower for everyone to try and look at. Now, if you're up early enough, soon after dusk, Arterus will be uh, appearing in the northeast and will be seen twinkling as it's close to the horizon, which means its light will be broken up a little bit. It is the brightest star, the brightest red star, apologies, in the sky, and will only be outshone by Mars. Um, It's about 120 times brighter than our own sun. Now, I think that's all for me for this month and uh, remember to keep warm there if you are in the southern hemisphere, but don't let that stop you from going outside and looking up.